you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house. Thank you for strength, Lord God. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. We bring the Newman family before you this morning, asking that you just surround them, Lord, with the cloud of your spirit, Lord Jesus. Strengthen Luann's mom today, Lord God. We ask that your peace would come like a flood, Jesus. That peace that just calms, that comfort that touches us and carries us, Lord God. We're asking you to cover that family right now. And as Brian and Elena are ministering this morning, God, that you would just pour over them, God, with strength as they pour it out, God. Just pour over them, Jesus, with a special blessing of strength, Lord God. We pray for the Wyatt family this morning and for Sherry, Lord God, as she goes into this treatment, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to hold her well. God, that everything would go according to plan and that she can experience healing and health, Lord God, because she wants to be back in your house. Amen. We thank you, Jesus, for every need represented here today by the lifting of a hand, Lord God. We're lifting our hands to you and saying, Jesus, you already know and I trust you. I ask you to do it in every situation, God, what you do best. You know how to turn it around, Lord Jesus. You know how to be everything that we need you to be, Lord. I thank you for every aspect of who you are, Jesus. For your mightiness and your gentleness. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in this house today in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you. 
worthy. He's worthy. I'm sorry I'm tearing today, but he's so good. He's so good.
We've got a few announcements. Hard to settle down. I get excited about Jesus. Amen. Amen. No one has been to me who he has been to me and what he has been to me. So if I get emotional or a little excited or a little, a little crazy or can't even talk straight today, it's because I am overwhelmed in his presence. Amen. And I'm thankful for that fact that after knowing him since a child, I am still overwhelmed in his presence. He is still new and fresh to me every morning. And if you do not know Jesus sitting in this house today, you have met the only person who can be the answer to everything. The only one that can be the answer to everything. The only one who will know you, every part of you, and still love you. Amen? Hallelujah. That man has loved me well, or that man has loved me well for a really long time. But no one loves me like Jesus. And no one loves you like Jesus. So I encourage you to embrace him fully today. Give him full access today. And embrace him fully today. Because he wants to do something in every heart and every mind. It is not his will that we leave the same way we came in. Amen. He's always got something new. Praise God. This month, men's prayer breakfast is Saturday the 12th. It's always the second Saturday of the month, unless we absolutely have to move it. Um, that is a great time together. You don't want to miss that. Join, can you raise your hand for everybody that may not know you? He leads that prayer breakfast, and so if you need any more information, look, they always eat really well, so. Why it's called prayer breakfast. <laughs> Always a good time. I don't know. I don't go. But I hear all of the wonderful things that come out of that. So, ladies' prayer has just started. Our second one is Tuesday, the 8th of June. It will always be the second Tuesday, even when I get confused and say it's the first Tuesday. Just know it's always the second Tuesday. <laughs> And Carol leads that so well. She's here beside Dwayne. Um, if you have any further questions, we'd love to see you there. Um, I know sometimes group prayer can seem, you have a lot of preconceived ideas. We had a beautiful time in the Lord, and we felt his power, and we felt the moving of his spirit, and we felt the power that comes when we come together and in unity, approach him. And our last uh, focus was on our children, our teenagers, our young adults, that God would strengthen their hearts, amen? For this day, because they are anointed for this day, amen. The Kiesels will be here. If you don't know who they are, they are missionaries in Russia that we support through our acts giving. They are actually in the United States right now because it is safer for them to be here than over there right now. And so they will be ministering in the service on the 13th. You don't want to miss it. They are beautiful, humble, anointed people, and you will be changed by hearing their testimonies and what they have to say Amen. about what's going on. Sorry, I think I worshiped myself right out of my voice. 
Thank you for spending some time with us on this Memorial Day weekend. You have filled seats that we've probably got 50 people going for the holiday weekend too. So uh, it would have been lonely without you. So we want to thank you for being here. Also, we have had, um, just on a church note, we've been averaging about 20 to 25 guests every week. And uh, that's awesome. The problem is, is we can't get to know all of you and uh, right away. So if you've been coming for the last few weeks, on your way out, there's a card on the table. If you would just be so kind as to fill that out. Um, we don't sell addresses and information. Uh, that's not what we're about. But every week, Taryn sends out an email letting you know what's going on at Spirit of Grace Church. And uh, almost every day, I try to do it every day, I send out a little devotion, a little word from the Word of God. And uh, and so we want to be able to just uh, give you another tool, another uh, aspect of growth in him. Praise God. Aren't you glad that you know who Jesus is today? I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read three passages of scripture and then I'm going to just share what the word of the Lord spoke to my heart this week about. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read verse number 20 and 21. I'm reading from the King James Version today. But in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. If a man purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, Unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the work of the Lord. And then over in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, and uh, this is a scripture that I quote quite often in prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And then the last one is in Proverbs 18, and it's verse number 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. And I want to preach today about emptying or making room, if you will, in our hearts. Would you just one more time ask God to speak to you today and use me as his vessel? Jesus, I'm so thankful for what I have felt here today in the presence and the power and the name of the Lord has been released in this house. And I'm thankful for that. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people. Let something that is said, Lord, not just be for me, but let it come from the throne room of heaven. And give us ears and hearts to receive what you're trying to speak. Lord, help us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise today, as we go through your word. Lord, create in us clean hearts. Renew right spirits within us today. Make us brand new. Mold us and form us and shape us in the next few minutes. So that we can walk away from here. Lord, ready to do what you've asked us to do. We'll be grateful forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
something has been happening at the Sanders house for about the last year or so. And that is we have ordered a couple of different dumpsters because we have too much stuff. And too much, and, and yesterday, Declan and I took the last load of brush that's been sitting behind our house for I don't even know how long. We took it up and got rid of it yesterday. So we have been in a purge at our house, trying to get rid of the things that we don't need. And, uh, and because I'm married to my wife, preparing to fill the emptiness with new things. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, some of you will catch on in five minutes. And, and then there's something that is important about that. There are some things that we hold on to that when we see it pull out of a box, we can't even remember exactly where it came from. But we held on to it thinking that it was something that was so important that we had to save it. We had to put it away. We had to package it up. Um, we've got a split-level home, and we've got an area underneath the steps, and if you crawl underneath the steps all the way into the back, there's pictures back there that are wrapped in paper that neither one of us really know which picture they are anymore. Because they don't, well, she does, I guess. <laughs> and and uh, we pulled out one picture this last purge, if you will, and we looked at it, and it was a really cool picture, but it was totally politically incorrect. And we bought it on our honeymoon. That tells you how old we are. And, and, and it was it was it was a really cool uh, Confederate war picture and things of that nature. And the political realm today, everybody's trying to get rid of all of that. But but we found it buried in our basement. And uh, if we ever move, I'm just leaving it all, and the next owner can look through it all. But uh, I, I said all that to say this: Timothy is being told by the Apostle Paul that there are houses built of gold and silver, of wood and other things, some that brings honor and some that brings dishonor. And if a person will purge that which doesn't bring honor, the Bible says that it will then make room to sanctify you, to prepare you, to open up an option or an opportunity for you to then be used by the master's hand. You see, all too often, you and I have cluttered our houses, if you will, our thinking, our mindsets, all of the things that envelop us, and we have got so many storage units built up in our heart that we don't have room for God to move. And we get so busy trying to make sure that the storage units are straight and tidy and that we don't let go of this and we don't let go of that because I may need that 10 years from now. Even though I can probably buy it for cheaper in 10 years than sorting it and holding it for 10 years. You understand what I'm talking Some of you are nodding at me because you know that you're that way. You've got things in your house that you've had for 10 years and you didn't really think it was all that important until you take it out to get rid of it. And you go, oh, no, I've got to hold on to it. I'll visit it again in 10 years. And we do that intellectually and we do that spiritually as well. And we step up these storage units. Listen, I appreciate testimony. The Bible says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. But your testimony is simply that. It's a recounting of your past. It's not something that wants you to go back to it. 
You see, there's a mentality that we pick up somehow because God used us in one way, shape, or form. And so we've testified about the goodness of God and it blessed somebody. And we tried to remanufacture that testimony, that blessing, by going back to the way it was before you had your testimony. I was blessed to be raised in a house that loved God. But if I tried to do the things that my dad did when he was a preacher, when he was my age, it would not be effective today because that was 30 years ago and, and, and we, we've changed. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Some of you may not even understand what I'm getting ready to say, but I don't like outside church because I like AC. One of the first church services that I remember as a young boy, my dad took us to a place called Camp Galilee. And, and I've mentioned it several times, it's where the Lord filled me with his spirit and changed my life. But when you sit down, oh, uh, uh, when you sat down out there on the pews, and some of you don't even know what pews is, one big, long, wide seat. And it was so warm that the varnish stuck to your clothes. And you stood up off the pew and your shirt just kind of went like that. It was hot, it was miserable, and invariably I sat next to somebody that didn't believe in deodorant. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that camp. I'm so thankful for those pews. But I don't want to go, I like these chairs. There's nothing wrong with these chairs. <laughs> they're comfortable, they're nice. You're not going to stick to them when you get up. But, but I said all of that to say this. There's a lot of us that try to get back to the way it was when God met us at 10 years old and trying to experience God in the same way. What's happened? You have filled your spirit with something that needs to be purged and cleansed out. You need to make room for the new things of God because his mercies are new every morning. He's not wanting to deal with you today like he did yesterday. He's not going to deal with you tomorrow like he's doing today. And so we get to this place where we get so enamored by the things that are in our storage capacity. Now here's the thing. And, and, and men and women are different. I took my glasses off so you can't accuse me of looking at me because I can't see a face. <laughs> Men and women are different. And several years ago, we played a video here at a marriage deal, and he let us know a secret that all of us men knew for years, but women just caught up. And that is men compartmentalize everything. And we have a box for this, and a box for this, and a box for this, and then we have a nothing box. And men know how to escape to their nothing box. Well, what do you think about nothing? What are you doing? Nothing. And a woman does not understand that. Because the way the gentleman shared with us, and he's absolutely right, is every single neutron is interconnected with one another in a woman, and she can be thinking about one thing and carrying on a conversation about two or three other things, and this so happens she's on the computer, she's got five or six things going on, and she understands, and she expects me, I expects a man, to pick up on what she's saying. And out of the blue, a comment will be made or a question will be made. And I'll say, well, what are you talking about? And I'll answer you. <laughs> oh, you're just supposed to pick up on that conversation. 
that was happening in her head, intertwined with all kinds of things that were going on. And all of you men know what I'm talking about. I was happy in my nothing box. I was peaceful in my nothing box. But this is why women struggle with this more than men. Because I can compartmentalize. I can put earmark here and lock the door and run away. And Brad will understand what I'm talking about. I can take the church, I can take the boys, I can take my wife, I can take the house, I can take the future, and I've got this all compartment. I'm like the guy that's sitting in front of the 15 video screens, and I can go to each screen and find it. Okay, when my wife does it, it's all one screen, it's all interactive and intertwined. <laughs> And God only knows how she ever figures it all out. And so what ends up happening is, in my spiritual walk, I'll put this experience in this box. Now, I like that box. My Camp Galilee experience is in that box. And I'm thankful for it, but I don't want to relive it. Okay? I, I just don't. I look back at it from time to time because it pushes me forward. But I don't dwell in it. The problem with, with a lot of women is that box there isn't really a box, it's just a conduit that's connected to what's happening to you right now. And so you end up living in both. And so what ends up happening all too often, especially when it can happen with men too, but what ends up happening is you short circuit yourself spiritually because there's no more room for the spirit to work. And for men, we may compartmentalize it, but we like storage facilities. We like garages. And I may know where everything is in the garage, but nobody else will be able to find it because it's a mess. But I know where my messes are. And so what ends up happening for men is we get too many boxes. And then we think we know where everything is until we want to have to use it. Where did I put that drill? I know it's in the garage somewhere. It's in a toolbox somewhere. Oh no, it's in the box in the back of the house. You know, you just understand what I'm saying? And so spiritually, we get to that same thing, and we're looking around and we're going, God, why can't I pick up on what's going on right now? Well, because you hit your box, and the boxes that are hidden have crowded out the space that God wants to put a new box. You see, I believe that God is calling the church, and this church especially, to purge ourselves of things that have taken up room that are no longer valid to take up room because he's getting ready to pour out to pour out and to pour out and to fill up and we're going to miss it if we don't have room to receive it I heard a saying this week and I believe it's very true it simply says this Good is good But good will turn to bad When it gets in the way of best Good will become bad When it gets in the way of best Can I just tell you Some of your blessings in your life Have become a negative in your life Because it's in the way of the next blessing I know that's hard to grasp a hold of because count your blessings, name them one by one, the old hymn says. 
Get the long list of all the blessings. And I understand what that's trying to say. But there comes a time where there's so many blessings in our life that we've allowed it to crowd ourselves out in order to. Let me just put it to you this way. I'm glad that I have my high school diploma. I'm glad I graduated in 1988. I'm glad all that happened. But I don't want to go back there. It was a blessing to graduate, but I don't need it anymore. Okay? I'll watch Owen graduate next week. It's good enough for me. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? But we've got people that live in something that was good, but it's not so consuming that it's coming to the place of something better. And God only does things better or best. He does things better when he knows that we can't control his best. And he'll give us the best when we have the room to receive his best. I'm just telling somebody today that by the word of the Lord, he's wanting to give you something better. He's wanting to place something that was good in your life to replace it with something better. Listen, I love my Dodge Intrepid. I don't even remember what year it was, but it was before they kind of got rid of it. It was beautiful. It was kind of a gray, kind of a sporty, and it really looked good after our Regal, Buick Regal, that had the duct tape windshield. Remember that one I shared with you before? This is a brand new Dodge Intrepid. It was a beautiful vehicle, but if I had that today, I had to get rid of it and upgrade. I had to go from great to greater. From good to better. You understand what I'm saying? We do it all the time in some things. But in spiritual things, it's the same thing. Don't disparage the vehicle that got you from there to here. Don't turn it down. Don't disregard it. But don't live in it anymore. What got you from there to here is only to get you to here so that God can give you something better to get from here to get to there. You understand what God is trying to Some of us are so locked in and trying to figure out how to get to there by using what we've had in the past and all the blessings and all the words of the Lord and all the things that we've had. And we fail to realize that we have crowded out the voice of God that will get us to there. So the Bible says that if we would purge ourselves, the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Can I tell you what that word clean means? It means to purge. You see, we get this picture, at least I do, maybe I'll just preach myself. I get this picture of creating me a clean heart. It's, it, it's kind of just the scrubbing the dirt away. It, 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 it's, you know, Mr. Clean coming in and taking care of it all. That's, that's a mindset that I have when it says create. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says creating me a purged heart. What does that mean? That means get everything out of the way. In fact, if you read in the Hebrew, it's talking about removing items from your dwelling place to create the space that's clean. Can I just tell you, there's, there's, there's cleaning and then there's deep cleaning. I learned this from her. <laughs> cleaning is my kind of cleaning. Deep cleaning is her kind of cleaning. We've been in her kind of cleaning lately. And it's wearing us out. <laughs> Deep cleaning is when you move all the furniture and you get down into the very corners. Deep cleaning is when, when, you, when you clear the house of everything so that you're down to the bare minimum so that you get the very thing clean. And 
and then you can bring the right things back in. And in our case, it always rearranges when that comes back in, but it goes out one way, comes back in another way, and, and all those kinds of things. That's what created me a clean heart is talking about. Let me get to the very corners of everything. I, let me remove everything so that when our heart gets put back together, it's being rearranged by God. And that which is supposed to be there is going back in there. And that which isn't supposed to be there, I've already removed it because I need an empty space for what God is getting ready to pour in. Yeah. It's like the, there's a, a thing that has been posted several years now. And it's, it's Jesus kneeling down in front of a little girl that has this real little teddy bear. And, and, and he is asking her to give him the teddy bear. And she's not wanting to let go of her little teddy bear. But what she doesn't see behind Jesus' back is this huge teddy bear. He's wanting to give her something bigger and better. But she's not wanting to let go of the little teddy bear. And you and I do that all the time spiritually. God, don't give, I don't want to give this up. I can't let this go. I, this, is, this is my identity. I identify by, by this blessing. I can't let it go. And the whole time Jesus is standing up. Creating space for God to move. It's amazing. It really is the principle of this. And how easy it is to pick up the principle and how hard it is to enact it. Now, you may think, well, you know, if I get rid of a couch, I'll get a better couch. That's simple. Unless you're the Sanders. Because our couch would go into the basement, and then from the basement would go to the garage, and then the garage will end up in the youth room upstairs. But it was 19 years ago, roughly. My wife and I have been married for 10 years, and some of you know this story. But we've got so many new people, I want to just share it, I felt to share it again today. And uh, doctors had told my wife and I that we wouldn't and shouldn't have children because of health issues and things. And uh, in fact, we had talked to one doctor and he scared the life out of us about having kids because of her diabetes back in the day. And uh, so we, we sunk ourselves the first 10 years of ministry into our young people that we were leading. And so we've got spiritual children all around the globe, spiritual grandchildren, in fact. They've all got kids. Some of them are even graduating high school with my oldest. <laughs> and uh, it tells you how old I was when we had kids. And uh, so about 19 years ago or so, we get a call from our pastor's wife. Um, and, and they know that we want to have children, but we're not able to. We just kind of made up our mind that that would be okay. And uh, she calls us and she says, there's a pastor's wife out in Virginia, we were in Kansas City at the time, out in Virginia, and there is a person that they're dealing with that's not going to be able to keep their baby. Would you like to adopt this child? It would be an open adoption, so it wasn't gonna cost us a fortune like it. Uh, it was like 15 or $16,000 just to get in the door, and this is back almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago, into the doors of adoption, well, the post office wasn't paying that good yet. And there was no way that we could afford to do that. 
So this seemed to be just a perfect God providing. And so leading up to us adopting this child, we named this child, his name is Donovan. And uh, my wife and her mother, because the two of them love to shop together, and uh, still do, um, they went shopping and uh, purchased all kinds of nursery type items and little boys clothes and and I got kicked out of my closet at the house and all my clothes disappeared one day and went to another closet and it was the now the baby's closet, Donovan's closet and some few different outfits were hung there and uh, so that over the next couple of weeks we could fill up the nursery and the closet with Donovan's things. We had gotten to the point where we were just about ready to fly out to Virginia to um, take custody of this child and uh, be able to adopt Donovan and bring him home and we have our little boy. And uh, we get a call and for different reasons this child uh, wasn't going to make it. Uh, he passed away. And uh, our hearts were broken like we had lost our own child. And uh, so we went into the nursery there and went into the closet. And uh, I may not tell the story exactly, but I think my mother-in-law looked at Trish and said, just leave it. And between the three of them, those two and God, they decided we're gonna just create space. And so that closet was left empty. And uh, we were just gonna, since that was taken away, it was we felt like it was almost God saying, that's not what I have for you. That would have been good, but I've got something better. At the time, there wasn't anything better. We didn't understand. Our hearts were broken. We were crushed. We had already been married 10 years, and uh, we didn't marry that young, so we were in our mid-30s. And uh, so a couple of weeks or months later, I believe, came Father's Day, June 17th. And uh, our pastor, who knew our heartbreak, obviously, and knew what we had been going through, he, he pulled us aside at the close of the Father's Day message, and he looked at us and he said, I need to pray for you, because God is wanting to give you a child. And he laid his hands on us, and in that moment of time, an expectation came into us, because we had, I say we, she had kept space available I know it was just a closet, but that closet represented our hearts and our spirits. And we kept the space available for God to do the better thing. And when he laid his hands on us, we could sense the anointing pleasure of God. That he was well pleased with what we were doing. And just a few months later, we take one of those pregnancy tests and we're on vacation with my family. My sister's the one that's already had four kids. And so we saw the test, and after 10 years of marriage, and so we looked at it, we go, get Jen. We need confirmation. <laughs> and so we're in a holodome up in St. Cloud on a family vacation. And all everybody was out at the pool, and we got my sister to come up, and she goes, oh, yeah, that's right. And that's how we found out that Owen was on his way. You see, that which was good became better. Now, I believe that God was working through that whole thing, not only to give us 
the wonderful treasure of Owen and then to surprise us six years later with that one. But he was trying to give us a message that if you make space for God to move, and from that moment in time, for the last 19 years, my wife and I have made a conscious decision time and time again when things get too crowded for God. And then we get called and we come here to pastor and we start trying to do things like we knew what we were supposed to do. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. We're changing this up too. you got to get rid of that. All of my Bible college notes have been useless in pastoring this church. I had taught and I had preached almost every week, at least three weeks out of the month for the previous 10 years in Kansas City. And I tried to pull up some of those messages and God was like, no, 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 get rid of those. I'm getting ready to do something new. And if I would have not listened and just kept doing my 45-minute thing that I had prepared, this church would not be. But because there was a, a, a teaching of, of God to create room, we got rid of the old and said, okay, God, let's just go on a journey. What I'm trying to get across to somebody is if you will be daring enough to create some space. God is going to flood you with something new, something more powerful, something more joyful, something more uh, anointed, if you will, that will become more effective than what you've even experienced in God up till now. And some of you may be sitting here and saying, well, that's not difficult to do because I haven't had God do much for me. Listen, put your seatbelts on because God's getting ready to take you on a ride. If you'll just allow him to move in you and allow him to lead you and guide you and you'll just get the distractions out of your way, you will have the greatest ride in all your life. You see, space is critical. Can I just tell you that my wife and I, it hasn't totally spilled out of the board because our last board meeting was postponed because of the Shoulder trial. We've got to start even looking now. I'm not talking next week, next month, but we've got to start making preparations to create more space. Because I don't know if you've looked around today, we're missing at least 50 people that are regular attendees. That's a full building. And I know we can do some things creatively and get some more seats in here and things of that nature. But God is wanting to grow the body. And, and for those of you, how many have started coming here in the last three years? I want you to look at, everybody just kind of look across. The last three years, that's all, that's all brand new people for this church. You know what? Three years ago, you wouldn't have fit in this church. Because our church was that out there. That vestibule used to be the sanctuary. Where the window was, was a huge baptismal. With one little girl called, why is there a bathtub in the church? The platform came out to the end of the, the two closet doors. That was all platform. We could, well, I said we could jam. We jammed 250 people into that little building one time, running into every classroom for a funeral. It was craziness. But it would only seat about 60. So you guys would get to go to church. You guys would not. And because God kept leading us, and the people that were attending this church at the time stepped up to the plate when God called and began to do some things, we were able to create this space and that space and, 
and, and allow it to wear. And do you want to know what happened? This is just some of SGC history. As soon as the doors opened to this sanctuary, some of you started flooding in. You would have never fit over there. Fit here, because there's space. See, here's the thing, and I'll close with, with this. The proverb that we read today said that a man's gift makes room. You want to know why some of you have been frustrated? Because your gift is fighting for space. And your gift is trying to create room in you. And because it's trying to create room in you, there is some frustration that's happening. And you haven't been able to identify the frustration because God is trying to take you to somewhere better, something more profound, something deeper. But because there's not room for your gifting to get there, your gift is fighting against that which you're trying to hold on to, and you're fighting and frustrated because what's really happening is reconstruction is trying to take place. And because God is trying to move something out of you so that he can put something better in its place, so that God can do something greater in you, he is fighting your flesh, if you will. Now listen, your what you're going through and that frustration and what God's trying to create room, those may not be bad things. You see, we if I preach the message, you've got to get the sin out of your life. You'd all go, yeah, I guess that's probably true. I'm not talking about the sin. That, that's, that's a given. Wash us and cleanse us of our sin. I'm talking about the things that we have attached ourselves to that may not be sinful in itself. It may not be detrimental in itself. It may not be a hindrance in itself. But because God is trying to remove it so that something else can get in its place that's greater and better. Read the book of Hebrews. The law is great. The Old Testament is powerful. I'm preaching even from it today. It's a great set of books in the Old Testament. But the writer of Hebrews tells us there was something much, much better. It didn't have to be written on tables of stone because he wanted to write it in the tables of our heart. There's something that God is always wanting to do something better. So that's why Paul says this. I press toward the mark. I push my way toward it. I fight my way toward it. Can I just tell you, if you're pressing towards the mark that God has for you, you're going to have to give up some of the things that he has given you to get there. Some of us have a weird sense of fashion. Because you like scaffolding. How many have ever driven by a building and you see the scaffolding up on the side? Wouldn't that be cool just to leave it there? No. That scaffolding is there for just a few moments in the vast of that building. But you want to know what? Without that scaffolding, it's very difficult to do what needs to be done. And so the construction worker knows, I've got to use that blessing for a moment to get to where I'm done with the ultimate blessing. 
I watched this week in and week out while they were building this building and almost day in, day out. I'm thankful for all of the machinery that was here. I'm thankful for the bulldozers and I'm thankful for all of the, the different jacks that got all these beams up there. And I'm thankful for all of that. But you want to know what? I wouldn't want to preach around a bulldozer today. I wouldn't want to look at you through scaffolding today. It was a blessing to have, but it was for a moment. And, and when that scaffolding went down and when the bulldozers were gone, we end up with a building like this. Can I just tell you what's happening in some of you? There has been some scaffolding and some bulldozers in your life. And they have been blessings upon blessings upon blessings. But those blessings are not the ultimate destination. They are just the tools or the instruments to get you to something better. Get rid of the bulldozer. Get rid of the scaffolding. Let that go by the wayside and see the beautiful thing that God is creating in you. Because it's something brand new. It's something glorious. It's something majestic. God is forming you and framing you and planning you. Not so that you can be just another person living for him. But that you can be a craftsmanship. That you can be a masterpiece. So that you can reflect his anointing to others. There is something that is happening in the undergirding of the church today that God is getting ready to move away all of the building uh, instruments, all of the scaffold, and he's going to reveal the church without spot or wrinkle. And I know the Bible says he's going to do that when he comes, he's going to present it to himself. But I just have this feeling that he's wanting not only to present it to himself, but he's wanting to present it to Coon Rapids and all the surrounding areas and around the country and around the world. Church that is without blemish, without spot. Some of you have sat in the wee hours of the night wondering, God, is this really all there is? It's not all there is. You're just living in a house that needs to be cleaned, needs to be moved out. I don't know why we get attached to the things that we get attached to. It brings up memories. Yes. But then as you look at it, you're like, really? Is it really all that? I've been saving a news clipping from 1989 it's now discolored. Can't hardly read it. But it just told, tells you that I had a hat trick in a hockey game. <laughs> At the same time, I have been known to hold on to not necessarily a news clipping, but I can take you to a homiletics class which is the art of preaching. And we would all preach 10-minute sermonettes to one another. And, and I can remember getting up in class and beginning to preach one of the worst messages known to exist. And I wasn't alone. There was 12 of us in the class. And we sat through 12 preaching. It was like fingernails on a chalkboard. Because we were just learning. But then I could take you to a couple times in those classes where 
God is just desperate enough to use one of us. And the presence of God would move in. And Dawn Schreer was our instructor. We were in this class. That Scott's here. One of his friends, Ed Edcott, was in the class with me. He, we would, we preached the message, and the Holy Ghost just went. I don't know what the message was about, but God got a hold of us twelve that were in that class trying to figure out how to learn how to speak in public. And all of a sudden, the presence of God moved in. And here's here's what he he said. He, he said this in a tongue interpretation. He said, "I know who you are. You don't need to worry about your shortcomings or inabilities." And when he said that, all of us were like, good, good, because we have been miserable as preachers. Because I will make up for your inabilities. And I will anoint you with my anointing, if you'll just allow me to. Oh, man. At the close of that class, I think we even skipped lunch that day for a college student. That was huge. From that day on, I've got it written in just about every one of my Bibles when the Lord said that day. Because it reminds me of one thing. Move out the stuff that's not helping me get to where he wants me. Because as long as the stuff that's there is in the way, my gift is at war with trying to create space. Because your gift will make room for you and you will go before men. I don't say this to pat myself on the back. If anything, it pats Don Schnur on the back. But I have been preaching now for 30 years, 32 years. Oh my God. <laughs> and for 32 years, I've kept that one thing in mind. I'm thankful for my blessings. But I've given those blessings up because he has something greater. Listen, sometimes it's been people that I've had to give up because he's getting ready to do different people. Sometimes it's activities that I've had to give up and had to remove because he had something different for me. Sometimes it's philosophy or theology that I got, listen, I was, I was raised in a situation where I clung to certain doc doctrines. It was the lifeblood of who we were until I realized that there was a whole lot more in the Bible than just those doctrines. And then when I started changing, all of a sudden, you know, my wife will tell you, I'd shout from my office in the house, I see it now! Brand new revelation. I've been preaching for 20 years and now I've been preaching for over 30 years and I'm still getting brand new revelation because the one thing that God did for me is I moved out of myself, my preconceived, and I said, God, just tell me what your word says. I, I, I don't want to preach just because of what somebody has told me the word says. Just tell me yourself. What the, and I started seeing something. I've shared with you some of these things. I know Dave Johnson has told me several times one of my messages changed the way he looked at things because God put a revelation in me about when Jesus swept that Lazarus uh, tomb. 
and, and I struggled for years. Well, why did Jesus really weep? And then for some reason, at that moment of time before I preached it, God whispered into me, I wept because I was calling him back from paradise. And after church, Pete Johnson comes up to me, said he had never heard that before. I said, good, because neither did I. It's all brand new if we make room. But we have to be willing to make room or we're going to live a life of frustration. I invite you to stand. We haven't had a real altar call in a long time. For those of you that are new to the church, you don't know what an altar call is. So here's what I would like to do. If you're here today and this message has struck a chord with you and your heartbeat says, God, just help me identify what needs to go so that I can be prepared for what to receive. If that's you, would you just take a step out of your seat and just make your way across the front? I want to pray with you. Just all the way from wall to wall, just as much across, and then leave a few feet in between you, and for the next, this is incredible. This is incredible. There is a power that happens when you empty yourself. Because here's what I have learned. I have learned one of two things. You are either going to live a life full of frustration because you're not willing to change or you're going to live a life of victory because you're willing to let things go and let God step in. Whether it be an addiction, whether it be a family member, whether it be a history, a tradition, an abuse, whatever it is, those things can be let go. But even beyond that, it could be a blessing. It could be an anointing. God may have used you in one river, and now God is wanting to move you into a different river, and a different anointing, and a different circumstance, to where you can be even more effective than you were there. And God is trying to transition some of you. Some of you are now doing things that you never dreamed you would be doing. God's starting to use you in areas you never dreamed you'd be used in. What's really happening? You created space for him to, to lead you and step into the next dimension of his relationship with you. And I see it on all your faces that are standing across the front here. God is getting ready to, to just endow you, just deluge you with water of, of the word of God and the power and the presence of God. Here's what I want you to do right now. Those of you that are standing around the front, would you just raise your hands to heaven and lift up your heads? The Bible says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now, those of you that are behind these people, would you just raise a hand towards them and begin to pray with them and for them that God would just saturate and consume them. I know some of you may not even understand what's going on right now. You're just being obedient to the pastor. Trust me, God understands that. But he's going to just give you something to get you one step closer to a realization of what he's doing. Right now. 
Behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which dis are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. I pray and challenge you this week to be that chosen generation, that royal priesthood. Let God reflect you to others, not necessarily by what you say, but by how you are. And the way that happens is when you stay empty of the things that distract you from what he's trying to fill you with. Amen. Amen. I'm asking Randy to come and dismiss us in prayer. God bless you. Should the Lord tarry, we'll see you next week. Have a great, great week in Jesus' name. Greetings, my church family. It doesn't matter how good you have been. It doesn't matter if you read your Bible 150 times this week or you haven't picked it up. You know what? Your Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord Jesus Christ wants to meet with you, wants to love you, He's forgiven us before we've ever asked. Yeah. And in this time, I just say, I'd like to say, you know what? We're so thankful that you're part of our church family. We're so thankful that you have come to join us. Let's lift up our God in prayer. Wonderful Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your touch, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given, given us the opportunity to be in your presence and in your will. Lord, you don't have to love us, but you do. Lord, we ask you, Lord God, that we can draw closer to you as individuals, but we can also draw closer to you as a church family, Lord God, and lift you up, Lord God, as we do each and every day. Lift you up, Lord God, as you would have us each and every day of this week. Let your let your presence continue to fall here. Let your love and your mercy and your grace be felt in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for coming today.